0: There's a wonderful story that Barbara Brown Taylor tells. She was asked, uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, a preacher and author, she was asked to come and preach at a friend's church, and so she asked her friend, what should I preach about? And her friend said to her, preach about the things that are saving you right now. Preach about the stuff that is saving you right now. And I realize that in many ways, that's what this whole series about awe is really about. I've been trying to share with you about the things through which I sense God is saving me and giving me hope, especially in these times of great climate catastrophe and crisis fire truck goes right by as i say that let's pray together dear god our days pass and our years vanish and too often we walk sightless among your many miracles So like Moses at the burning bush, help us to stop and slow down to the speed of awe. Like Jacob under the stars, help us to see that the gates opening to you are everywhere. And I pray that you would receive this sermon as my love letter to you and in gratitude for this beautiful but fragile world that you have entrusted into our care. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In the early days of the pandemic, three years ago, right after our whole nation went into lockdown, there was a great upsurge of people Googling one thing. Are birds getting louder? Are birds (laughs) getting louder? You see, without traffic, without the usual noise pollution, people were suddenly noticing the great chorus of our feathered friends, some of them for the first time in a long time. The reality, of course, is that it wasn't the birds that were getting louder, was it? (laughs) It was we human beings who were getting quieter. And I remember reading stories from many of the world's great cities, Chicago, London, Beijing, where people were writing about their awe about this phenomenon. In our series, we've been learning so far about all the different ways that we can experience the powerful emotion of awe in our daily lives. Through our spiritual experiences of God, through music, right? Through visual art. Larry and Dawn experienced this yesterday as they marked the death of their beloved Mother Betty. Nancy, you experienced this with your grandnephew, Tristan. So births and deaths become a place of awe for us. We experience this also through experiences of moral beauty. People, when we see great courage or kindness around us, we see it in experiences of collective effervescence, and in the epiphanies that we have in our lives. And today, we are focusing especially on the awe that comes upon us when we're outside in God's beautiful world. In his ministry, Jesus knew the Hebrew Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew scriptures in a very, very deep way And he was constantly quoting from them in his teachings. But what we miss often is that Jesus also knew very, very well a second book. And he was always quoting from it. And so maybe you're asking, what on earth is this second book? My dear friends, it is the book of creation. And we find Jesus quoting from the book of creation all the time. Look at the birds of the air, he tells us today. Consider the lilies. Look at the grass in the fields. And then in Luke, he says, Consider the ravens. And what's his point? His point is that those who learn, how to read this second book of creation, and I know some of you are really working hard on reading this book in a better way. Those who learn how to read the book of creation are enabled to begin to see and to seek more fully the kingdom of God. God's realm of kinship and connection, God's realm of generosity and justice and mutuality. Jesus urges us to pay more attention to the natural world because he was doing that all the time. He's always talking about seeds falling into the good earth, trees bearing fruit, Sparrows falling to the ground, sheep and salt and light and fish. Jesus learned how to read God's book of creation with the same devotion that he read the Hebrew Bible with. And what I'm saying today is that each one needs to inform the other, it's very important. We're not saying, take one or take the other. Each one needs to inform the other, each one, and the reason is that each one brings us to God. As far as I know, I was racking my brain about this all week, I don't think we ever hear Jesus talk about his own experiences of awe in nature. Correct me if I'm wrong after when we're in the line. But Victoria Lors, co-founder of the Wild Church Network, the Wild Church Network, draws our attention to something about Jesus that most of us usually miss. Whenever jesus feels the need to pray and meditate in other words to draw closer and to be replenished by god he never ever heads into a building he does all of his praying outside up on a mountain Beside the Sea of Galilee, out in the wilderness, and on his very last night, out in a grove of olive trees. The natural world is Jesus' window into the love of God. Creation is the place where Jesus communes communes with God and receives the refreshment the stabilization and the reorientation that he needs. Today, we might say that nature is where Jesus goes to church. A few Sundays ago, do you remember what Jacob said after he woke up? Remember, he's sleeping out under the sky under the stars and then he wakes up after his dream and he says God is here and I didn't know it this is the house of God this is the gate of heaven out in the wild he says this is the house of God do you hear what he's saying that creation itself is the temple of God. Jacob is discovering that the whole world has been holy all along. Friends, would our human family still be ravaging and destroying this planet if we really understood that? This is the temple of God outside. During my sabbatical on a walk in County Park a couple years ago, I got caught in a mighty thunderstorm. You know one of those where you run under a tree and at first you stay dry and then It just comes down, comes down, and all the leaves sort of droop and I was getting soaked. And I don't know what came upon me, but all of a sudden, just like a little child, I laughed out loud (laughs) and I stepped out from under the tree and I just raised my hands. And it felt like God's fresh baptism of mercy and grace upon me. There I was just taking a little walk in County Park and suddenly awe came upon me in that moment. How about you? What are your experiences out in the world where awe suddenly breaks upon you? I know many of you have these experiences. They're powerful. Studies show that many of us have them two or three times a week. Perhaps it comes when you're walking outside. Maybe it's when you're running in a marathon. Maybe it's when you're just gazing out your window. That's all it takes is to see. Maybe it comes on your morning walk when the sun is rising. Maybe it comes, we have stargazers, when you look up into the heavens and look at the galaxies above. How does awe come upon you, dear friends, and soften your heart? That's very important. Awe softens our hearts. In our series so far, we've been learning that awe is whatever happens when we experience something vast or very small, it might just simply be awe here for Roland's beautiful flowers. But something happens in a moment that transcends and expands our understanding of reality. Awe awakens us from our sleepwalking. And I'm going to say it again, are you sleepwalking through life? Don't. It's too wonderful to sleepwalk through. We awaken from our sleepwalking to start seeing the depth dimension of life. The God dimension. To start taking a long, loving look at reality. Capital R. We don't have to go like billionaires climbing Mount Everest. We don't have to blast off like Bezos into the heavens. We don't have to get into a submersible and head down to the Titanic to experience awe. What I'm trying to tell you, dear friends, is it's right here, right at hand. All we have to do is to open our eyes to notice the tiny pull of awe. Did you hear that? The tiny pull of awe, niggling at our side view, to turn to it and to give ourselves to it. In the buzz of a hummingbird, the grandeur of a tree, the sweetness of blueberries as we pick them. We simply pause to love back the one who is already loving us, to be present to the presence of God. Now, if any of you are reading newspapers right now, you're probably asking yourself, hey preacher, how can you be preaching about beauty and wonder when we're in the middle of a worsening climate crisis? Anybody, was anybody thinking that? (laughs) I mean every day, come on, we're hearing more and more about extreme heat extreme flooding, extreme human and creaturely suffering, aren't we? I read recently that half of the world's Orioles have disappeared. Half of them. I don't have any big answers for us. I've been struggling all week. But what I do want to bring you is a quote by Blaise Pascal, who said that in hard times, we need to be carrying something beautiful in our hearts. And this is what this is about. We need to be carrying something beautiful in our hearts to sustain us for the hard work that lies ahead. The hard work of rethinking completely how we do the world together. That's what we have to do. And I believe that these experiences of awe are God's gifts to us to sustain us and strengthen us and motivate us for the hard work that lies ahead. Let me mention one more thing about awe. I can't leave the pulpit without mentioning this. Many of us have kids or siblings or close friends who have given up on the church completely and who freely tell us they're not sure what they believe anymore, if anything. I won't have a show of hands, but I think every one of us could raise our hands. We have these loved ones. And with these dear loved ones, and I speak about them very respectfully, if you ever mention God, watch the conversation suddenly come to a screeching halt. Crickets. Just mention God and everything falls apart. But friends, I want to tell you a little secret. Because I've been practicing this for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you ask any of them instead about their experiences of awe... You'll see them suddenly come alive and have their and see their eyes even fill with tears. Ask them about their experience of watching a hundred thousand snow geese passing overhead and watch their eyes light up. What's going on here? What's going on? People freely speak and talk about awe, oh, but when we bring up God, everything stops. Perhaps it has so much to do with the climate we're in right now. Political climate. But here's what I'm wondering. Might awe be our bridge into deeper conversations with these beloved people in our lives, about the things that move us and matter to us the most. Maybe the problem is that the church begins with God instead of awe, and maybe awe will lead us to God. I think that's what Paul is talking about in our reading today from Romans 1. And let me paraphrase it here to close. Ever since the beginning of time, people have been experiencing awe as they contemplate the beauty and splendor of the planet and as they sense the awesome love of its creator. As we've learned today, The natural world was Jesus's window into the love of God. It was his place of communion with God, where he received what he needed for his very challenging work. And so can we. So dear friends, keep on noticing and keep on loving those birds and the lilies of the field. Our beautiful and burning world, our beautiful and burning world, is still the house of God. It's our gate of heaven. Amen.